I do want to start off by recognizing something about this morning's message that's a little bit different. Can anyone identify it? No, this is not a new polo. I've had this polo before, right? Okay, yes, the hats. Now, now, yeah, I hear some calls for the Mets. Um, so here's one thing that, that I want to talk about today. Uh, and, I, and I'm cognizant, even as I'm speaking right now, that we have a lot of viewers who are watching um, around the globe, and some even are watching internationally. In fact, I got an email from a guy who's saying, uh, I tune in every single week from Spain, and I am so enjoying being a part of this community, which is awesome, right? That's great. But that does mean I need to explain a couple of things. So let me explain this hat for anyone who's maybe visiting with us here in the room or is watching online and going, I, I, don't, I don't really get it. So if you are in most other parts of the country, most other parts of the world, right, there, there's actually a bit of a tradition within a church, right, that uh, when you walk in, if you're wearing a hat, what do you do with it? take it, you take it off, right? There's something, just this kind of a cultural respect aspect uh, of that. Um, but here at Trinity in New York City, this hat isn't causing waves or any stirs because I'm wearing it in a church. Why is it causing some reactions here, right? Because it's the Yankees, okay? And, and now I'm a fan of the Yankees. I, I support the Yankees, um, but I want to talk to you about hats today. And in fact, I want to wrap this into a larger context. We're doing a mini-series called Lessons Learned. And I want to tell you about a lesson that I learned throughout this whole uh, season of the coronavirus and quarantining. It's about hats. But over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about these lessons that we learned. And this is why this matters, right? When we, when we did our wisdom series at the beginning of the year, when we walked through the book of Proverbs, we said this, that, that wisdom is not just knowing what to do, it's then actually following through and doing it, right? It's knowledge as well as action. That's wisdom. See, sometimes what we say is, oh, well, as a person is older, they must be wise, right? Because wisdom comes with years. Well, that's not exactly true. Wisdom comes through years that you've learned from, okay? <laughs> right? You, you actually have to pause and you have to reflect on where have I been? Where has this journey taken me? What do I want to do the same? What do I want to do differently? Right? Oftentimes, we, we are in such a rush as a society that we move from one thing to the next without taking the time to learn. So over the next four weeks, I want to talk about some things uh, that God has taught me personally as a worshiper of Jesus in this whole season with the hope that as we reflect together, we can all learn and actually grow in wisdom and what God has to teach us. Now, the first lesson I learned, okay, is about hats. And hats, yeah, I don't wear them that often. I'm not too much of a hat guy. Um, but, but hats say something. They say something about you. And during this whole season of the coronavirus, I actually lost my hat. Now, when we're talking about hats, it's not just the Yankees, although it is my Yankees hat. There's actually a bit of a metaphor here Right? The things that we put on, the things that we wear, are the things that give us our identity. 
See, because these things say something about us. When I put this hat on, there's a reason why some people cheer and there's a reason some people boo, right? Because it says something about you. And we've got lots of hats in life. We've got lots of things that we put on. In fact, identity, the sense of self, when you answer the question, I am, fill in the blank. Do this right now wherever you are. I am what comes to your mind. Hats. Lots of them. Okay, so I am male. I am white. I am a New Yorker. I am a pastor, right? We've got all these different things that we're managing all the time. Some of these hats we choose, okay? So I am a husband. We got married, so I am a husband. That's a hat that I have, right? Some of them we don't choose. Some of the hats that you wear, people put them on you, maybe even from a young age. Oh, you know what? You're not really smart. There's a hat. Wow, you are so good at sports. There's a hat, right? That was never said to me, by the way. Um, <laughs> that was never a hat that I wore. Okay, but we, we have all these things, and we collect them all in life, and together it makes a really complex a process of thinking that when someone says, who are you, it feels like a bit of a benign question, but it's actually a really complex one. I am a whole conglomerate of things that form my identity. Now, whatever the hats are that you're wearing, some that maybe you chose, some that you didn't, all these different hats, these different things that feed into our sense of identity. You know, during this quarantine, I lost my hat. Lost a couple significant ones, actually, and it really kind of threw me in a bit of a tailspin. It was a struggle for me to go, who am I? What am I doing? And let me talk to you about the first one. So I lost the hat of being both uh, dad and husband. For almost six weeks, my family was gone during uh, this time. They actually had gone to travel to visit some cousins, and then everything went crazy. Flights were getting canceled. There was quarantine measures, and it was like, oh, wow, it's really hard to get them back home. So all of a sudden, you know, I'm used to going from work, which for me, that's church, you know, that's a pastor hat. I go home. I take that hat off. Elijah runs in the room. I put on the dad hat, right? After he goes to bed, that hat comes off, and then it's the husband hat, right? And then bedtime comes. You wake up the next morning, and you do what? Start again. And we're so used to wearing these things, right? Not just my family was gone. Actually, it was very different, and it still is very different, to be a virtual pastor, okay? I've never thought about the idea, what does it mean to be a virtual pastor? And pastor's one of those hats that you don't take off very easily, okay? It's not like a nine-to-five thing, you know? Like, if you see me on Saturday in, like, line at the farmer's market on 82nd, guess what? I'm still the pastor, right? I'm still a pastor. It's not like you clock out. Right, and these are all part of our identities. And all of a sudden, life as a pastor wasn't the same. There's a hat gone. Being a dad wasn't the same. There's a hat gone. Being a husband wasn't the same. There's a hat gone. And all of a sudden, I found myself not knowing what to do. I mean, it's like 8 o'clock hits at night, and I'm going, 
Okay. Like, I don't want to just keep doing work until midnight, right? I want to do something else. But what else do you do? Like, you can only watch so much Netflix. You can only play so many games. Like, and I found myself in this, this internal struggle. What do I do with myself? Who am I without these hats? What are the hats that you wear? What are the things that feed into your identity? That when all of a sudden they're removed, it leaves you with a lot of questions. Because here's the the sneaky thing about hats, right? All of a sudden they kind of get glued on and, and you start to frame your life in terms of this role, this relationship, this capability. And when it's gone, what are you left with? Did you know that there's a lot of marriages that fail right when the kids leave the house? Why is that? Right? Because you so tied your identity to being a parent. I'm so into this this kid and raising this kid that I don't even know the other person in the room, and I'm not even sure I like them. Right? Or the person who retires, and they retire, and all of a sudden there's this crisis. Right? Who, Who am I without my job? What, what sort of a person am I if I, if I hit the alarm and, and it's just an open schedule? What do we do when we lose these hats? You know, today I want to talk about the lesson I learned that I personally had to learn and remind myself of this truth of our identity being rooted in Christ Jesus. Turn with me this morning to 1 Peter Chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1, the lesson I had to learn in this was my identity needs to be rooted in something so much deeper than just I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a pastor, I'm bad at sports, you know, (laughs) whatever it is, it's got to go so much deeper for us. And Peter, in just two verses, completely blows the lid off this whole conversation. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1. One, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now stop right there. We're going to do a meditation on just two verses today. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Think about that. Think of the character Peter, right? What comes to mind, right? He's, he's kind of uh, boisterous, gregarious. He's uh, larger than life. He jumps first thinks later, you know, synapse fires, mouth speaks sort of a person, right? Uh, this is the guy who, who really wanted to be like the co, co-regent with Jesus, you know, who's the greatest, uh, no Jesus, this isn't the plan that God has you. I mean, this is a character, right? And he has been through a journey. What are all the things that he could say about himself? Or Peter could have started with all these things of, you know, I, I've got this hat, I've got this hat. I was, you know, one of the key disciples. Of all the things that Peter could say, in the very first few words, you get a tremendous insight into how Peter saw his own identity. I am Peter. And you know the most important thing you need to know about me? I am an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, the word apostle actually means one who is sent, one who is sent on a mission. This is somebody with purpose, right? This is somebody who's not just going around, just kind of 
kicking up the leaves and the dust and going, oh, I wonder what's going to come up in my day today. No, he has a purpose built in to this very introduction is this, this grounding of identity that says this, that I am an apostle of Jesus Christ. That is the foundation of my identity. You know, identities are things that give us purpose, that give us security, and, and they bring us community, right? And from the very get-go, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And you may be thinking, okay, but here's, here's a bit of the, the gap, right? Peter was an apostle. I get that, okay? Do we all agree Peter was an apostle? Okay, yeah, we all agree with that. But what about me? I mean, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Peter was sent. I mean, uh, I mean, you can read about him. Jesus talked with him. Jesus picked him. I mean, I know he didn't have the, the greatest of moments all the time, right? Some of the reels and the playback was a little awkward. But, I mean, still, he was an apostle. Still, he was called by Jesus. That's Peter. I don't, I don't know that that's about me, though. Have you been sent? Peter has. What about you? Look at how he continues this discussion. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to those who are elect exiles. I want you to underline that word. That is one of the most jarring combination of words in this book. To those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. See, Peter starts this by saying, I am Peter, and you know what is the most important thing you need to know about me? It's not it's not that I'm a dad. It's not that I'm a husband. It's, it's not that I'm a fan of, you know, um, the Nazareth River Dogs baseball team, right? They didn't really have that, you know. But, but it's actually this, the most foundational thing. I've been sent by God. That I, I, I'm actually someone who is sent. And I want to talk to you. All these people who are dispersed all over Asia Minor. Now, here's why that is, right? You see the word dispersion. Sometimes um, we'll use the term diaspora. Because of persecution, because of bigotry, because of wars, because of all sorts of reasons, right? these believers have been scattered, working and picking up what is the remains of their life, traveling to a new location, maybe their first generation in Bithynia, maybe their second generation, right? But, but they're exiles who have been moved all over because of the ups and downs and the difficulties and the hardships and the political maneuverings and all these things of life. And, and Peter uses this incredible phrase. He says, I want to talk to you those who are dispersed around everywhere, you are elect exiles. Now, notice what it does not say. It does not say you are exiles who happen to be elect. You go, why does that matter? It matters because of this. 
See, Peter is saying, I want you to think in your life right now. You've been scattered to the winds, not for reasons of your own choosing. It is how life is working out, and guess what? It's hard, and you've lost a lot of hats on the way. I am sure that when people had to leave, when they had to leave Jerusalem and go to these other places, right, they left behind jobs. Well, that's a pretty significant hat. They left behind friends and family. That's a significant hat. They left behind feeling like you're part of a, a culture and understanding what it is and the language. And, and all these things are dropping to the ground. And why it matters is Pierce says, I want you to know, even though you are an exile, you are a refugee, you are elect. You are first and foremost elect. And then you may be an elect exile, an elect shop owner, an elect mother, an elect friends, but you are elect. You know, friends, our security must, must start by being rooted in Jesus Christ. Our identity starts by being rooted in Jesus Christ. Now, let me say this too. That doesn't mean that the other hats we wear don't play a significant role. They certainly do, right? It's all these other things, whether it be our race, our socioeconomic status, the cultural backdrop that we bring, the relationships that we have, the, the work that we do, these are valuable. And they're beautiful when all brought together in God's plan and purpose. But it must start, it must be rooted in Jesus Christ. You may be in exile, but I want you to know you are elect. And whatever city you found yourself moved into, I want you to know that and that that actually brings security. Her being sent gives you purpose. Being elect gives you security because of what God has already called you to, and He will be faithful to do it. So I, I am uh, passionate about working with refugees. I worked with uh, refugees for many, many years in Dallas, and um, my wife and I have hosted many uh, meetings, eaten lots of new things, uh, been exposed to a lot of different customs. We've helped start different refugee churches. And I want to tell you about uh, a church that I had the privilege of working with for many, many years. Uh, it was a group of people originally who had come from uh, Burundi, but because of wars within the region, they were transplanted. They were taken all the way across the world and dropped in the middle of Dallas, Texas. Now, that's a culture shock, okay? That's a challenge right there. And when they first were coming together, they were doing uh, services in a language called Kurundi. And they named themselves this, the African Refugee Fellowship, right? A-R-F. And, and soon it grew. They didn't just do it in Kurundi. They also did it in Swahili and then eventually also in English. And they had many different kind of African nationalities join. But, but something changed along the way. And they found themselves five years into being in this new country and being in this church going, what, what, are we, what are we here for? What is our purpose besides just coming together Sunday after Sunday? 
You know what they came to this amazing conclusion? They said, we've prayed about this. We've talked about it for months and months on end. We've been fasting over this. And we, we want to make a big change. I went, okay, great. What is it? How can I help you? They said, we want to change our name. I went, okay, but what's the big part? Like, you know, like what's, I mean, this has been, you guys have been talking for months. You've been praying for months. Like, what's our purpose all this? You want to change your name. I said, but, okay, that, that's a small thing. They go, no, 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 it's not. It's, it's a big thing. I said, really, why? They went, we want to change our name from an African refugee fellowship to an African missionary fellowship. Why does it matter? And they said, you know, when we first got here, we saw ourselves primarily as refugees who are fleeing. But then we were convicted that because of the sovereignty of God, because of the mission of God, because of the senseness that we are called to, we're not people who are running. We're missionaries. We have a purpose. We have a security. And our mission is here. You know what? They changed their name. But it wasn't the name. It was a mindset. See, Peter says this. You may be in exile, but you are an elect exile. You are an elect business owner. You are an elect person who's out of a job. You are elect first and foremost. And the rest of our identity flows out like a beautiful tapestry from that position. Look at how Peter closes this. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. Why use that word, sprinkling? What does that remind us of? It reminds us of the Levitical law in the Old Testament. The sprinkling of blood over sacrifice as a covering of sin. You know what Peter's doing when he says this? Hey, you may be in Bithynia, and your life may have been turned absolutely upside down, but I want you to know that you have been sent by the foreknowledge of God, that you are someone who is elect. God has chosen you for this very time. And... You are connected to the people of God throughout the centuries. See, see, this whole imagery of the covenant and the Old Testament of these people, some of which are Jewish, some of which are Gentiles who've converted, but you are actually connected to those very same people of God who were given these laws and, and were practicing these images, these rituals, these rites that were to prepare their hearts for the work of Jesus one day, that even though they're dispersed, they're actually part of the community of God. You're not alone. Whatever hat you have, whatever hat you may have lost, you're not 
alone. You're part of the community of God that spans all the way back. Think of Abraham wandering around, searching for a place to call home, ultimately, that would be found in Jesus Christ, in his coming kingdom. And Peter ends with this. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. You know, church, we need more than simple addition in 2020. We need some multiplication. May grace and peace be given to you exponentially in abundance. You know, during the quarantine, I felt like I lost some of the things that really fed into my identity. And it, and it really challenged me to go, oh my goodness, <laughs> I think I've been thinking about this all wrong. Instead of going, I have been sent by God. I have been elect, part of the elect, those who chosen, and that I'm actually part of this, this continuum, a community of people who are following after God. You know, something that was great about losing those hats was it really offered me the chance to take a deep look at my own heart and to say, God, where do I find my identity in? Because it's so easy in the course of life for it to become this or that, and it happens without us even knowing it. Church, you have been sent. I, I don't know what hat you have. I don't know what hat you've lost. But I do know this, that you have been sent by God. You have a purpose. You have been called out. You have been elected by God to be part of his family and part of his work of redemption and you have security even if the rest of your life feels insecure and you are part of a community part of the people of God it's my prayer today that in knowing your purpose in knowing the security that you have and being a part of the community of God's people Grace and peace will be multiplied to you exponentially this week. May it be true of me. May it be true of you. Father in heaven, we thank you and we proclaim that you are good. You have called us. You have sent us out. Father in heaven, you have made us a part of your people and of your community. May that drive our identity today. May that drive our identity this week. And Father, may we live with peace and grace in abundance because of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to thank you all for coming today. Whether you're here in person or tuning in online, thank you so much for being here. May grace and peace resound in your hearts this week.